Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter 3 and 15, and I will read it in the King James Version as we stand. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Amen? Amen. Within the context of be ready... I want to preach a little while about a ready witness. A fundamental part of being a child of God is witnessing. We are God's witnesses to a dying world. We are God's witnesses to a world that is not a friend of grace. We are called, each and every one of us, we are called, not not just the preachers or the deacons, We're called, all of us, to be witnesses in our home, witnesses in our schools, our communities, on our jobs, and even at points in time, while one would not think it necessary, we're called to be witnesses in the church. No scripture, I believe, captures the essence of this responsibility more clearly than the one we just shared. Every time I read this, I find it refreshing and encouraging that these words in this text that we shared come from a man who himself had some trouble witnessing. (laughs) Uh, Who better to talk about the dangers and the hazards of, of not being ready than Peter? When he was put to the test, he was anything but already witnessed. All the Gospels attest to the fact that when he was put to the test, when Jesus was on trial and and Peter was asked, do you know him? That at three points, he very dramatically, very emphatically denied that he even knew the Lord. Already witnessed is just that. Ready to share the truth about Jesus Christ whenever the opportunity is available. Because I believe this season, more than any other time of the year, presents an opportunity for us to share the gospel. Not only because the focus is on Jesus' birth, but also because this can become a very trying and traumatic time for many people whose focus is misplaced or displaced. And they need some help sometimes just putting things in perspective. 
This season can be like the description Charles Dickens have in his novel, Great Expectations, it can be the best of times and the worst of times. If you have some problems already, this time of the year seems to exacerbate them. And I believe it creates tremendous opportunities if we are open and if we are ready to share the gospel about Jesus Christ. So when I looked at this text and I thought about a ready witness I asked the text the question, what are the characteristics of a ready witness? And would you not know that when I asked that question of this verse, three things jumped out at me. First of all, a ready witness is a passionate witness. The believer in this text is commanded to sanctify the Lord God in their hearts. The word sanctify means to set apart. It means to give place to. But in the word of God, it is a means of. It is a term that's used to communicate the ongoing transformation that takes place in the life of the child of God. It's setting apart in our hearts. And this is where witnessing begins. It begins in the heart. If it's not in your heart, it will never get in your mouth. When it's in your heart, it's going to get in your hands. When it's in your heart, it'll get in your feet. When it's in your heart, it'll come out your mouth. And so this idea of setting apart, this is where it starts. It's the passion that we experience when God truly controls and occupy the heart. Sometimes when I start thinking about the goodness, and this year in particular, when I start thinking, when something starts moving on my heart, I can shout anyway. So in the Bible, the heart here is not the blood-pumping cardiovascular Heart, but rather it's the center of the emotions, the mentality, and the will of the individual. And in particular, that center in relationship and response to God. Peter says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. It's in the heart, in our hearts, that we truly encounter the supernatural presence, power, and provision of God. The place where we essentially say to God, you are the most important part of my life. Jesus said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Paul doesn't Communicate it the same way that Peter does, but it's reflective of the same principle. Paul acknowledges his surrender in a great passage in Galatians 2 and 20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. He says, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. He says, the person you see walking around, living and breathing, is not really me, but it's Christ in me. That's what it means to set our hearts apart to God. I love the hymn, Give Me a Clean Heart. 
Listen to the words. Give me a clean heart so I may serve thee. Lord, fix my heart so that I may be used by thee. For I'm not worthy of all these blessings. Give me a clean heart and I'll follow thee. A ready witness is passionate. But a ready witness is also prepared. Not just passionate, but prepared. The text says, be ready always to give an answer. The NIV version is, always be prepared. You see it? To give an answer. And again, I say, I believe this is a part of the text and a part of the first epistle of Peter where he's sublimely autobiographical because I'm thinking he's thinking about the time when he wasn't prepared. And he's perhaps thinking about that time and season when the Lord was preparing himself in the inner sanctum of the garden. He was praying. He comes back and he finds Peter and, and the other disciples sleeping. And he says to them, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I'm thinking Peter is being sublimely autobiographical here. He's saying, be ready to give an answer. A Pew Forum survey recently showed that we are anything but prepared. A survey of major religious denominations in terms of their knowledge of their own faith and their knowledge of others revealed that we are ill-prepared. Many did not know Mother Teresa was, whether she was Catholic, Jewish, Buddhist, Mormon, or Hindu. Over 3,000 people surveyed. Many did not know that the person closely or most closely associated with suffering in the Bible was Job. We are many times ill-prepared. The primary responsibility of the gift of the pastor, teacher, and the ministry of the local church is to prepare people. When we talk about being the church, it's about preparation. Perfect the saints, Ephesians 4 and 12 says to pastors, for the work of the ministry. Simplicity has its merits. But it's not just the milk of the word, the meat of the word is going to carry you. You got to be able to say in the midst of your trial, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. He shall set me up on rock. You got to be able to say the Lord says in his word, cast our cares upon him. He'll never suffer the righteous to be moved. So a ready witness is passionate. A ready witness is prepared. The final thing I want to say to you today is a ready witness is positive. It's in the text. It says, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you. Listen, a reason. Reason is the, the word from which we get our word apology, a defense. That's why we need to be prepared. We make a defense. But the defense is specific. It is what we're defending is the hope. The hope that is in us. To be a child of God is to have hope living and residing inside of us. Final movement of this passage points out the positive outlook and perspective of a witness. It's hope. Peter's already written about it in the first chapter. He says a lively hope. It's not a, it's not a stoic hope. 
a stagnant hope. It's a lively hope because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Hope. Notice, and this is why I love the King James rendering of it. The NIV says the hope you have, but the King James said the hope that is in you. Not the hope that's out there. See, see, hope out there will disappoint. Amen. Hope out there will let you down. But when you have it, I wish I had somebody in here. When you have it inside, it'll hold you. It'll hold. The hope you have inside you. I'm telling you today, I'm not determined ultimately by the outlook. I'm determined by my outlook. For some of us today, the outlook is grim. The outlook seems to be disturbing and troubling. But when you have the outlook, no matter what's going on with the outlook, it'll be all right. Because you know every storm has a time limit. God puts a shelf life on every trial. Why? Because he knows how much we can bear. When you have hope, you can hang on no matter what's going on around you. When friends walk away, when life deals from the bottom of the deck, you can still hold on because you know as a child of God, nothing can separate you. I'm talking about hope now. It's the kind of thing Job had that made him say, I know it looks pretty bad right here, but all my appointed days, I'm gonna wait till my change come. It's what the three Hebrew boys had when they trusted God. They said, now we know he's able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. But if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to your nib because our Lord will work it out anyhow. It's the same thing Isaiah had when he wrote, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up on wings as eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not be tired. I'm talking about positive hope. It's what Ezekiel had when God asked him the question, can these bones live? He looked to the Lord in his spirit and said, thou knowest. And it was hope that made him take a text that day. And when he took a text and started preaching, bones start coming together. Same thing that the woman with the issue of blood had when she stretched out in the middle of a crowd after giving attention and exhausting herself on every other alternative. She said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, my blood issue will be dried up. It's the same thing that blind Bartimaeus had when the folk tried to shut him up, but he knew that his healing came from the Lord. He says, Lord, thou son of David, have mercy on me. It's a hope that led Paul to say, I know whom I believe, and I know he's able to keep that which I've committed unto his hands against that day. My best days are not behind me. 
My best days are in front of me. A few days ago, I made a deposit. It was after the close of business on that particular day. But the deposit receipt said, deposits made after such and such a time will be credited on tomorrow's business. Well, I want y'all to know, because I'm a witness of the Lord, I've made some deposits. Some of them are not credited on today's business, but they're credited on tomorrow's business. Because I know he's able to keep that which I've committed unto his hands against not this day, but that day. We stand here today and celebrate the Lord's Supper. But there's a point in which we are anticipating the time and the place when no under shepherd will give the supper. But the Lord himself will stand in our midst and he will share the meal with us. But one of these days when I go into my room for the last time, I want y'all to know it's not the last word. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And y'all say, well, that's that by and by stuff. What else have you got? I don't know anything else that will hold you when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If you're ready today, you ought to be passionate. It ought to be in your heart. You ought to be prepared. You ought to be asking yourself, am I prepared? Some people, the only church they're going to see, the only hymn they're going to hear, the only Sunday school class they will attend is you. And you need to ask yourself, if somebody says to me, what must I do? Am I prepared to give an answer? And whatever you're going through today, please have a positive outlook. It's not the outlook that's ultimate. It's the uplook. Because I lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help. My help. My help comes from the Lord. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.